Welcome to Improsophy, where we bring living room discussions to your daily life. This week, we are discussing The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Enjoy! So, uh, starting yeah. off with The Screwtape Letters, what what is this book, Jordan? Okay, so this is my second time going through it. It's been... Basically, the the TLDR, Too Long Didn't Read version, is there's a higher devil and a lower devil in terms of rank. Uh, the higher devil, his name is Screwtape, and the lower devil that he's writing to, his name is Wormwood. He calls him My Dear Wormwood, and he's trying to train him and give him tips on how to get a newly converted Christian away from the faith and try to get them into hell, essentially. And so it's like, it. yeah, it's like a correspondence of letters, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, this is how you try to distract this man in terms of trying to turn him away from the faith and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, and I think there's like a goofy thing in one of the prefaces. Uh I have no ex- I have no intention of explaining how this correspondence which I now offer fell into my hands. Like it's it you know it's not even believable. He obviously mm-hmm. didn't like find this, but he he's kind of just playing a little dumb be like, "Yeah, I don't know how I got this stack of letters, but <laughs> So yeah, it's two different ranks of um I guess demons trying to ensure someone's damnation mm-hmm. yeah i want to actually read this quote that's in the in the very few pages when you open the uh, the book it's a quote from martin luther the best way to drive out the devil if he will not yield to text of scripture is to jeer and flaunt him for he cannot bear scorn another another funny quote by luther is uh and i'm paraphrasing badly i like to pass gas in the devil's direction he, he said something to that effect essentially i fart in the devil's direction interesting yeah if you if you look it up it's it's quite hilarious so okay i think we need to like start with some really basics mm-hmm. like soul body and spirit like what's what's the difference mm-hmm. soul body and spirit well obviously soul and body are two different things soul is immaterial body is material um let's say soul is also related to your own personal mental and spiritual health you feed that and the physical aspect of yourself will be able to follow suit because you can obviously be having a lot of exercise. You can, what's the words am I looking for? You can, like for me, go to the gym. You can run a lot. You can do a lot of calisthenics. But if you're not feeding your spiritual side or your mental well-being, you can deteriorate mentally despite the fact that you have, say, great physical shape. So I think what's more important first and foremost is the spiritual and mental health of a person followed by after that the physical part of a person. 
Yeah, the, and I think, I think people kind of go along the lines of like mind and body or soul body. A lot of people don't really distinguish soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. I have a difference in my head, but I don't know if yours is no. the same. No, go ahead. I, I'll let you, you explain. Okay. <clears throat> this is like from a, I don't say like a like a layman kind of knowledge perspective. I, I'm not saying this from an academic perspective. Yeah, the way I underst- I've understood it is that the you know the body's physical interacts with physical objects. It, you think of it through terms of physicality. Um, the soul is somehow the part of you that exists after death. Mm-hmm. somehow the part of you that lives on and then spirits like can live in your soul mm-hmm. the spirits are more kind of ethereal and maybe could exist outside of a body or maybe be inside of a soul hmm. i don't really have much to add on to that so is that like accurate or am i just saying things um i don't know i i for me i've never really looked into distinguishing soul and spirit but as you're talking i'm thinking in in the bible mentioning how the the word of god is sharper than any double-edged sword uh, cutting through bone and marrow distinguishing between or cutting through even soul and spirit so I'm wondering if, and I, I think it was maybe James, I think it was the book of James, I'd have to double check, where the distinguishing of the two, I'm wondering if it means soul and spirit, psyche, meaning the mind, and the spiritual, meaning the immaterial part of you that will be able to live on. So, but that's just me completely guessing. Hmm. that's just that's just some of my thoughts i'd have to actually look that up if that's what it actually means because considering back in that time uh it was a very hellenized culture so very much a lot of greek influence and i i think yeah let's talk about the greeks for a minute you know a bit more than i do my understanding is that greeks would pray to specific gods kind of um Kind of for their power. Like if I I pray to Poseidon if I'm gonna swim across a swimming pool in a race, be like oh, I was really blessed with the spirit of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh you would kind of pray for a particular like spirit or energy when you're about to do something. So it's kind of this distinction of like Yeah, I like I like you saying that the soul is the psyche. Um, the idea that you, I guess that Greek idea is that you like invite spirits in you at specific times to do specific things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, if you read Nietzsche, he would kind of say like, "Oh, the spirit of communism came over Europe," like it or. The spirit of this. He, him and Hegel started to think more in spirits. That 
like spirits spirits like have a will they have an intention they have a, a telos they have something they're trying to do but spirits don't really have a body although spirits have can pull strings and in many consciousnesses and um, from many perspectives however they themselves do not have a body mm-hmm. yeah that that's uh reminded me of this to kind of tie it back to the book uh screw tape letters i think i remember listening to an exorcist speak about how the demonic forces are immaterial beings mm-hmm. uh, i don't remember if he said if the exorcist said this but um, my thought is that the demonic realm is jealous of humanity because we are spiritual beings and who can inhabit physical reality and whenever the demonic tries or is successful in possessing another person it's their desire to want to take on mortal flesh but since they're well we're made in the image of god they it's probably kind of like a love-hate relationship Mm. where if they're able to take on flesh they probably hate the thing that they're inhabiting but at the same time they probably love the fact that they're still able to inhabit something physical while i think the angelic realm i think is content with their with their position where they are although they are purely spiritual beings they're quite all right not taking on um uh, a fleshly space so and i think and to continue on with the segue hmm. i think that's what part of heaven is being content with where you are with where god has put you and this is actually partly <laughs> tying a lot of things in going through dante's divine comedy so per, uh, inferno purgatory and paradise and paradise you see the people, there's different levels of paradise, just how there's different levels of purgatory and inferno. In paradise, you see people who may be at the lower stratuses of heaven. They're actually quite content where they're at. Even though they may have not done anything great and they're at the lower parts of heaven, they're saying, I'm quite content where God has put me because I understand where he has put me. Mm. And then with the demonic, they're absolutely discontent with anything and everything that they have in their life. Mm. If you want to call it life, I would say existence. Two things. Yeah. One is I heard this analysis of Genesis that said that Satan deceived man because he was jealous. Hmm. Like there's some pre-psychology or, you know, some pre-narrative of, um, you know, third of the angels falling. Mm-hmm. And this analysis said, like, a third of the angels fell, and then God created man and said that man was the center of creation and bore the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that the evil spirits just hated that. And that's why the serpent deceived man, because man was already created in a higher place than them. Hmm. And they could not bear losing. Yeah, it makes sense. 
that was my first thought. And my second one, you talked about contentment with, with angels and, and good spirits. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I don't know. Do you know anyone that's been possessed by an angel? Just like I mean, <laughs> I don't know anybody possessed by an angel, but at least for the Christian, I don't think uh, I'll preface this. I don't think angelic beings will go around possessing people <laughs> trying to do good. I, I that's I don't think that's their place, unless if God's like, hey, do this. But for a believer, they would be possessed by the Holy Spirit. But so no one just says. This morning I was taken over and I, I made my bed and my laundry and... <laughs> the spirit of Jordan Peterson. <laughs> like, <laughs> so there aren't wandering spirits that just take you over and then just things get good? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it could be the better part of the Amado Day of a person taking over themselves. But I don't know. I can't say for sure. Uh... Yeah, that, that has not been my experience of people just getting possessed by um, unembodied, just happy agents. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, I wonder if there is anything like that in ancient mythologies where you're possessed by a good spirit and you have, although I think that there's probably something along the lines of spirit of illumination or something like that. I don't know. Like your criteria on possession is that someone has knowledge that they wouldn't have, um, does things they wouldn't do. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So if you're possessed by an angel, it's like, oh, I just like got taken over. Then I made like cinnamon buns for my neighbor, <laughs> Debbie. Um, and I, I don't even know how to make cinnamon buns. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I get uh, side tangent. I guess the uh, the opposite of a demonic possession. Uh, you know something about somebody, but you know about it for their own benefits instead of condemning them. You know the language of somebody, but it's somebody who's awkward, and you can communicate with them effectively. And then what, what's another? You have unnatural strength. Let's say in the moment you get unnatural strength to lift a bus off of a. I don't know, a group of orphans. I don't know. Um, yeah, the reason why I want to start the conversation that way is C.S. Well, yeah, first issue is that in Christianity, we've kind of lost demonology or angelology, especially mm -hmm. after the Reformation. Mm -hmm. It used to be a lot more defined. Um, well, let me, I, I actually want to make a note of that. I wouldn't necessarily say after the Reformation, but more of um, after not even modernity, but more post-modernity, where a lot of, at least in the West, for Christianity, it's more become more of a materialistic Christianity, where there's still this understanding of the supernatural realm, but trying to read almost every passage in the Bible as purely scientific, like, oh, this, for instance, reading some of the Psalms, this passage means that this references uh, ocean currents in the world. It's like, no, it's not referencing ocean currents. It's referencing, um, I, I, I don't even know the scripture reference off the top of my head, but it's taking the Bible into such a materialistic state that the author didn't even originally intend it as such. Mm. So I think it's 
there's a term called sensationalist. So basically all the gifts and a lot of the supernatural happenings have ceased or continuous where you still believe the supernatural gifts such as healing and other things of that sort and say demonic possession or even um, seeing an angelic spirit move in your mist for whatever reason a lot of that still happens but because the west is very grounded in i don't want to use the word scientific reality into a very materialistic worldview a metaphysical materialist worldview that a lot of a lot of the sense of the supernatural has been greatly diminished but you see a lot more of a supernatural worldview in more third world countries like in africa because if you ask a an african christian they'll tell you about supernatural happenings like witch doctors or what have you in their area like oh yeah there's the local witch doctor down the street that sort of thing mm-hmm. so i've i've asked somebody about that when i was in a bible study like yeah that, that sort of thing happens and your prayer life is very active during that time so i, I just wanted to make a note on that just mm-hmm. so, so but go ahead with yours yeah i was reading i think it's one of the gospels I think it's the guard of Gethsemane, an angel comes to heal Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the few things angels do. They don't possess someone, but sometimes they show up to heal someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it's like just a wave of encouragement or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's like a miracle healing. I, I think it's more like for the soul. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I guess the reason why I want to start with that very overarching uh, dialogue is, yeah, C.S. Lewis tends to take the view that, in his book, it's it's on demons, but the view that demons are intelligent spirits, they're like a form of consciousness wider and flatter than our own form of consciousness mm-hmm. that he had to pull strings on many people's minds. Um, there's also, yeah, that element of, you know, spirits living in the soul that, um, like there is an amount of the soul inviting spirits in. Mm-hmm. I think there's one part of this book where he says that this person was surrounded by a cloud and for whatever reason, for a week, the, the demons could not get into that person. Mm-hmm. Um, In screw tape letters? Yeah, I forget where it was. It's a very interesting passage, actually. Um, hmm. well, I, I didn't, as I've mentioned before outside of this recording, I didn't take any notes, but I, I it's a book that you don't really need to take notes on. You can basically get what you need just by reading it. But if you want to take notes on it, by all means. But it's something that's very good just to give you um, food for thought. It's a good way of putting it. For sure. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, 
I just wonder who are. This is just a just a thought for people. Wonder who are personal wormwoods in our life. You seem like you've got something to say. Who are wormwoods in my life? Yeah, basically, who are the demonic spirits that try to influence you? <laughs> that, that's what <laughs> Name I mean. your demons. Yeah, pretty much. Sounds like a post Malone song. Um, actually sounds like actually sounds like a an interesting song name. Name your demons. I'm not sure. There's there's kind of this weird thing. I was talking with uh, Megan earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this weird thing in our culture where they kind of want to mix spiritual warfare with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are people that would lean towards saying, oh, the the demon of depression, the demon of anxiety the demon of um control like almost almost name these negative abstracts as demons or mm-hmm. like spirits spirit of fear came over me and blah 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 uh then there are people that say mental health is all physiological that there's genetics that are bad <laughs> broken Got to get some new um, deoxyribonucleic acid in you to mm-hmm. fix them. And, and then there's just the more balanced argument um, that Megan had that, that is a bit of both, that that there could be spiritual warfare and there can be mm-hmm. just like a broken world. That being said... Uh, yeah, I don't. I haven't really made up my mind on this one. I I don't think there's a conflict between the two because sometimes it can be mental and physical, and other times it can be spiritual. Some people probably need to get a better night's sleep or a better diet, while others probably have something legitimately spiritually attached to them. Because I think it's it is. It can be tempting to go fully one way or fully the other. Mm. It's either overly spiritual or overly physical. Sometimes maybe it can be a mix of both. That's where good discernment can come in, where you're discerning, well, is this sort of thing happening to them? Is this demonic? Because here's a personal example. There was somebody who my mom prayed over who was having this issue, and she... Basically, she was trying to pretend, not e- I don't even know about pretend, but act like she had some sort of something spiritually wrong with her. And then I was like, after she prayed for her, I said, say Jesus. She said, Jesus. And I was like, she's not possessed. She doesn't have anything spiritually wrong with her. It's all in her head. Because even I could tell it's not spiritual. It's, it's mental health with this woman so something like that some people like to do it for attention oh i've got demons no you don't you you have daddy issues <laughs> wow that got a dramatic turn i know or or if a guy is like that it's like no you've got mommy issues <laughs> i know i'm i'm being i'm being mr uh what was it, mr downer or something 
But uh, yeah, but in, in all seriousness, mm. somebody who does say stuff like that does need to see a mental health professional for stuff like that. Now, of course, I don't want to. Now, I know I was flipping in my response in that, but in, in all seriousness, if somebody is saying stuff like that, it is good to get them to seek the proper help that they need, regardless if they have mother or father issues. Yeah, I think there was this part in here saying that the demon's goal wasn't to make like a good argument to intellectually convince someone not to believe in God. They just need to basically add confusion and muddy the water mm. and they win basically. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. For it's it. like whether someone is possessed or thinking they are but not like it's definitely not God's will be done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a interesting. There was this book that I read, another book by C.S. Lewis. That I read you mentioned intelligence. It, it's a part of his space trilogy. It's book two called Paralandria, and in the book, a character Ransom thinks to himself that the demon that he's actually arguing with, or the person who's possessed that he's arguing with isn't using intelligence as a form of um, betterment for himself or to show off, but rather he's just using intelligence um, to make as just a mere tool to try to deceive somebody else. Mm. They, they, it's almost like they view it, human intelligence as just something as derogatory. That's something that should be put down, but they only use it to just try to twist the other person's mind it's mm. like like i said it's an it's the demonic's tool to use them to like you said muddy the waters Interesting. so yeah it's not intelligence for the betterment of another person it's intelligence for just not, i'm basically repeating myself now but intelligence just to demean another person not even that just using intelligence just to i don't know in such a way that it's just yeah. i'm what's going through my mind right now is just i know i'm i'm belaboring the point but it's it's using intelligence in such a way that it's making humanity looks so horrible that it makes the demonic seem profound if that makes sense mm. maybe not that so much but still so and i did want to dig a little deeper into this idea that you know spirits are are like pure consciousness not not mm -hmm. in a particular embodiment but um being able to touch and interact many and spirits have like wills. Hmm. I, my question is, can you view spirits as like organisms in a way? Something as physical? Is that what you mean as an organism? Or what do you mean by that? That's a good question. But do you mean something that can be brought to a laboratory put in a test tube sort of thing is that what you mean 
something that I guess has a life cycle. Hmm. Well, it does have a life of its own, but I, at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned life or existence. I was thinking existence as something that's just continuously existing for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would. Now I'm like, how do you define an organism? Yeah, that's a good point. I, how I'm thinking of an organism is a living, breathing being that lives in the uh, material existence, like in the world that we currently inhabit. So like. You're a human organism. I am an organism. <laughs> yes. Uh, insects are organisms. I guess uh, animals are. That's what I think when I hear the word organism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would use, I guess, being. Might have to refer to something with ontology where it has its own thoughts and emotions. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, spirits aren't organisms. Um organisms they require some amount of energy to exist by like Mm -hmm. consuming something else which you can make an argument that spirits feed off of people in a certain way um organisms also need a you know metabolism a way to just sustain themselves so that Mm -hmm. They don't just fall apart, and sure, you can make that argument too, but organisms also need the ability to reproduce, Yeah, which is something I don't think anyone is saying that spirits do. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think spirits reproduce, but that's, I mean, there would be no need because, at least in the understanding, spirits are eternal beings, What, which aside from God, have, are created, but after they're created, they continuously exist. Yeah, so so from that definition, they're not organisms. I, I did just want to, like, at least bring that idea up, even mm-hmm. though it's wrong, to try to ground it a little bit more. Like, they're not organisms, and we know that humans have um, somehow evolved to have some emergent property of consciousness uh and then spirits are are somehow like pure consciousness and will and can do things Mm -hmm. um but yeah they're not they're not organisms that's yeah i just want to tie that down to earth a little bit yeah i think at least compare it yeah i think saying that they're organisms would mean that they'd have to be flesh and blood beings that they're more i would say more akin to a being of consciousness of some sort i wonder how they would be a being of substance of of the sort it's obviously spiritual but i don't want to go too far into i don't want to get too far off topic on something that i can i would just merely be speculating about Yeah, and like there's people just saying that spirits are like parasites or something, using that analogy. Mm -hmm. That they can't have a body of their own, but they could. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting you were mentioning how they feed on something. Uh, I've heard people say that uh, 
demonic spirits feed off of negative emotion so doubt well it depends on the doubt i suppose but fear um, terror sadness perhaps even lust Mm. Uh, and i think what the demonic can do really they view it as like hunting like that that's what Hmm. that's what organisms well i I guess that's higher forms of organisms but they Mm -hmm. it's not just getting energy it's also a hunt (laughs) leading up to that yeah um i think like i said relating it back to screw tape letters trying to get somebody to feel a negative emotion or what have you to feed on that to, and i'm guessing to make them stronger in a sense or maybe to make themselves feel superior in a sense because the fact that god made humanity higher in status over the angelic or the demonic definitely over the demonic because the demonic lost their place Hmm. Uh, considering that humanity has a higher place i can't remember i lost my train of thought there I also want to tie this back to Jung a bit. Yeah, go ahead. So Jung's view is that you have a psyche, a soul, and within it are archetypes. So his view is that there were like semi-autonomous kind of sub-personalities in your unconscious that, you know, pop in and out of existence. And mm-hmm. the idea of wholeness, um, some of it even re- related his idea of wholeness to monotheism is to bring this cacophony of spirits into a into some sort of like an integrated full self uh so Jung's view is that you're kind of born and you kind of have these ingrained um archetypes in your head however getting to C.S. Lewis and spirits that that view kind of takes some of those archetypes outside of your head and says, no, they could actually be disembodied Hmm. and have a foothold in multiple people and perspectives at the same time. Hmm. Um, Is it a one-to-one that one demon possesses one person and that it's like a perfect container? Or are these forced, like, are the demons many-eyed and many-handed and can kind of orchestrate and misdirect and direct multiple people at the same time mm-hmm. towards a certain will? Yeah, I don't know. I'd say there's there's different possibilities. And this is just speculation, but I like the idea you said many, many-eyed. Mm. And what, what, what else was it? Many-handed. Yeah. I'd say because they're supernatural beings, they can probably go from one part of the world to the next in a quick instance. Not obviously they're not omnipotent nor omniscient, but they probably know a great deal of things. And since they have probably really good comprehension of things, and they've been around for a long time, they know human behavior better than even the greatest psychologist and that who could possibly have ever existed. 
but they use that human psychology against humanity itself. So, for instance, if somebody's got bipolar disorder, they know how to make that worse. And probably even makes them schizophrenic in a way. But I'm not a psychologist. I'm only speculating there. And part of... Maybe this is just goofy way of thinking about it, but it's like, well, there's more people on Earth now. There's, I don't know, 9 billion? I can't uh, remember. Eight, seven, seven to 8 billion. Okay. It's like, well, are like... Are, are the demons, do they just got a lot of paperwork on their desk? Like, <laughs> man, I wish there were less people. <laughs> no, I think they would prefer. Like, would the world become net positive if there's X amount and then there's more people? That's like, well, we can't possess as many people now, darn. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm just getting into these weird scenarios, but... Yeah, I know Lewis and his. Uh, it's interesting. His portrayal is more of a. Uh, it seems more like a college administration sort of thing, in his thing. But I think he he's smart to write it that way, instead because he writes it in a way that is relatable, instead of, I don't know, some sort of weird. Unembodied spiritual idea to say, oh, the spiritual beings. They just float up in the air. No, he gives it some sort of mm. embodiment that is relatable. And I, I think Lewis is a good writer for writing for the common people. Because I've gone through a lot of his stuff. Hmm. Right, like like the Greek, the Greek conception is that the gods and even possessing their spirits for short amounts of time, it's just like a cacophony of random mm-hmm. uh imperfect greek gods that just do their own thing and they're always fighting and it's kind of random um c.s lewis i want to say a hierarchy of demons but he actually uses the word lower archy yeah yeah that that is interesting i found yeah i i do like the that term lower archy i don't know if it's a word but it's used here so yeah, his view is that they're evil, but they're like structured in the sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is a good way of putting. Because if the demonic realm wasn't structured in some way, it, they probably wouldn't be able to do anything. You wouldn't. I, my guess is you wouldn't hear anything about demonic possession or anything of that sort. And I think I don't know if demons have some sort of admiration for one another. They probably have some sort of evil respect for those who are in higher ranking. But I don't think that they have any sort of real love towards each other. Mm. Yeah, and as, as far as the, the book mimicking a structure of college, yeah, I think there's like passages where a screw tape is like, yeah, we used to be it used to be really hard to convince people into sexual temptation, but since Slug Gub became the the dean of that department, mm-hmm. now we've had much more success. Yeah, I'm wondering if Lewis. Well, this was written around the time of World War II, so this was probably before the sexual revolution. But even Lewis's day, he probably saw a lot of sexual perversion. 
in his time but it was probably a lot less to the extent of what it is now but somebody who's a, a historian can comment on that it was probably a lot more conservative then comparatively to how it is now but even then they probably had their own strip clubs or what have you they probably called them gentlemen's clubs back then peep show yeah you enter a, a little room and then you pay a quarter and the little <laughs> yeah. panel goes up you can look at people mm-hmm. and then it goes back down it's like those those like tacky sightseeing things yeah probably like <laughs> you know it's like the was it the binoculars that you pay money for Mm-hmm. And then when it runs out, you can't binoc anymore. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was at that time. Yeah. Oh, there's a good C.S. Lewis essay on that where if if people from another country saw you, uh, there he kind of makes fun of that uh, strip tease show where if somebody was just slowly taking the lid off of a well-baked chicken and everyone was just watering at their mouth and then they take the lid off fully and everyone's just like clapping like yeah you would think they've gone out of their mind they've got some sort of obsession with food and he relates it to that to a strip show like somebody's taking off their clothes slowly and all that and everyone's just cheering and whatnot for them he relates it to well there's an issue with lust here and I think Lewis does it uh, very, uh, very brilliantly and very humorously in the way he does it, too. There's a, uh, videos online. I think they're called C.S. Lewis Doodles. And there's a, a video done really well uh, going over good visual representations of Lewis's thoughts on the matter. That was Slug Lob or Slug Gob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was the, the head of sexual temptation and Globos, I think, was the yeah. of gluttony. Anyway, mm-hmm. he kind of makes wacky names for it. Yeah. Um, what else? Almost makes me want to go through Dante again. Dante. I don't know if I like Dante. I liked Dante. But we can talk about that some other time. Okay, so we talked about just generally a wide discussion about soul, body, spirit, and then talked about spirits a bit because those things are kind of vaguely used in our culture. And then we kind of got more concretely into C.S. Lewis. And then we said that the spirits aren't just randomly just... They're not like just troublemakers, you know? They're not Mm -hmm. just chaotic his view is that it's a structured lowerarchy. And what's your understanding of like what's at the bottom? Well, like if it's like a hierarchy of consciousnesses and wills, what's like the will on the bottom? That is a good point. Well, to start, if the absolute hierarchy is God himself, where you reach the pinnacle, the lowest point I would say is the devil himself, Satan. Mm-hmm. That's the the lowest point of it all because if he is considered to be the head of what what is all that is demonic the question is then at what point do you get to let's say even that lowest of low 
third world country, war torn third world countries, rape, uh, murder, uh, along the lines of that genocide, child sex trafficking, or even just sex trafficking in general. Are you saying the end goal of of Satan, or are you saying? I would say these are the, the energy that's animating those ends. Yeah, the energy animated that, animating that is what I would say. But I mean, even the end goals of that, you could also say, would be pointing to something that would be um, the demonic uh, inverted pyramid. I think there was one part in here where I was talking about pleasure and pain, mm-hmm. and that the. The demons were a little indifferent to it. They could only kind of twist them. However, they couldn't really make a new pleasure or a new pain. They could just try to use them for their own ends. Uh, Let's go to Dante. So, in the end of Inferno, I guess Satan is pinned to the bottom of the pit. And it has big wings and it's flapping and... Mm -hmm. The cold air from his wings is actually freezing a pond mm-hmm. that his like feet are trapped into. Yeah. So, uh, for him, for him, the character of Satan was just kind of this angry beast, perpetually angry at God or something. I've heard other interpretations where the whole thing driving it is pride that Satan wants himself to be worshipped mm-hmm. um, yeah so one is like a pride narrative that you know once Satan has tasted being obeyed by man and, and um, followed he was just so in love with it and himself one view is that he's actually gunning after God or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, one view is that it's all just about fear and control tactics. At the bottom of it is kind of this spirit of manipulation. Hmm. Um, probably for the ends of being in, in the fold of the lower archy. <laughs> I think when you say gunning after God, do you mean trying to overtake God or do you, is that what you mean? I think so. I, and I'm, I'm just putting out different right, things right. I've heard. I get what I've you're been, yeah. Like, like I'm not saying that this is the engine. It's mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It's probably envy as well. God is this be this great, it, the greatest maximal being that can possibly be even conceived of to go with and saint anselm but i think it's partly jealousy envy working in with that but i think it's to twist the human mind into something that god does not intend As, as men, we've mentioned it before, uh, at least this is tr- con- this is constantly attributed to Tolkien, where evil is not evil in and of itself, but rather it is the twisting of what is good. 
because evil cannot create it can only twist what is good hmm right if you're a spirit that has no materiality then you wouldn't be able to um and for the christian in the person of christ there is a materiality to the godhead Mm -hmm. and the godhead also has a one spirit not not many spirits trying to deceive you in different directions the holy spirit um, which you can invite into your soul um hmm And all of a sudden thinking of the union of God and man perfected in Christ. That I, th- I wonder, regards, in regards to Christ being the archetype, that if that's what humanity is supposed to be, we are the union of our body and our souls together in unity, being both spiritual and physical beings. Because mm. I wonder if Christ is supposed to embody that for us as the perfect archetype that's an interesting thought because we're not supposed to be purely material which i think is the animal which i think the animal may have a certain spirit to themselves but we're not also supposed to be purely spiritual which that's what the angelic are and that's what the gnostic conception of what a human being should be is purely spiritual rather it is I think the grounding of the two together because god enjoys creation he likes to create i think we are supposed to be content within our bodies but also to be spiritual beings united together in that sense hmm. now i'm thinking of the bay of pigs that um spirits can also take over pigs in that case yeah. I, I was when you mentioned bay of pigs i was thinking bay of pigs invasion during john f kennedy's uh reign as president oh but you're referring to the pigs in the scriptures when jesus cast out the legion, legion. yeah okay yeah yeah so pigs somehow are also a container that a spirit could live yeah in. yeah i've heard like i think in a lot of the native american uh religions if there's like an animal that's acting really weirdly mm-hmm. like just not acting normally there's belief that it could have a evil spirit living in it that's interesting if, if you're hunting something and it mm-hmm. just is not being itself You know, like if you're following animals with bow and arrows, you know how to track them. Yeah. Uh, you get pretty attuned to what proper predator behavior, what proper prey behavior is, hmm. um, and which things are nocturnal, or nocturnal, diurnal, crepuscular. I've never, I've never heard some of these terms. The only thing I know is nocturnal. Nocturnal. Okay. Diurnal is. Is you're awake during the day. Oh, okay. Uh, that that's your circadian rhythm. They're all different circadian rhythms. How okay. you how you relate to the the sun, and then crepuscular. These are animals that hunt during both dawn and dusk. Hmm. There are certain animals that hunt just in that time frame. Hmm. 
Okay. Anyway, there's a third option people don't know about. I, I listened to this podcast on owls. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> my one takeaway, crepuscular. Um, it's, not, it's not even a good word. Mm-hmm. It just sounds too, like, pussy. Crepuscular. <laughs> I don't know. The way you just said that. Ew. Anyway. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I have anything else to add, do you? I think we've had a, a good um conversation on this. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I was trying to find those quote, but yeah, I liked the one that's saying that humans are amphibians, part spirit, part body. I do like that. Um yeah. Oh, humans are amphibian, half spear, half animal. No, and I think actually a good takeaway on this, because a lot of stuff in the uh, screw tape letters, the demonic doesn't always have to be so explicit and in your face, where you have mm. where you have a uh, demonic possession, or you have a poltergeist. Or anything like that. Or a, a person climbing up and down the walls, climbing on the ceiling. It doesn't always have to be like that. A lot of, most of what screw tape letter is, it's more about the subtle things in the day to day life. Like getting slightly annoyed with somebody who, it's like, why am I annoyed with them? You walk away from them, it's like, what was that about? Why did I make that snide remark? Or why was I just gossiping about this person? Why was I, for my for my sake, it's like, why am I being so lazy right now? I could be doing something more productive. But it's like, I don't know what to do. Um, it's like, um, I think the word subversive. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it could be a lot of small concessions or a lot of, I don't even know how to word it. whole lot of things to get under skin yeah yeah and i i think here's a good way of putting it small habits lead to large good habits small bad things can lead to large bad things it's like like a small pebble hits a bigger rock hits a bigger rock hits a bigger rock and eventually you have a whole boulder rolling down the hillside which creates a giant avalanche which takes out a whole city Oh, man. Which causes economic disaster, which causes a whole country to go under, which causes massive chaos, which causes World War Three, which causes a nuclear eruption, which causes the nuclear bomb to hit part of the earth, which causes uh, a super volcano to go off, and it causes the extinction of humanity. Wow, that got very dramatic. <laughs> And I will never look at a pebble the same. <laughs> I'm like skipping stones in a lake. It's, like, it's gonna be a little voice on my shoulder saying, "Are you trying to kill us all?" Just skipping those stones on a lake. Yeah, skip skip that stone on the lake causes micro uh, waves, <laughs> okay, which not... causes a bigger wave. We're which not having this <laughs> same conversation again. Which takes out a whole entire yeah. forest. <laughs> 2008 tsunami of japan <laughs> nuclear disaster yeah of course well 
I think that's about it for me. I, I'm not sure if we'll need to do a second one on this. Uh, yeah, there's there is a screw tape does a toast at the end, but it's more it, it feels more like a, a professor uh, who's the head of one of the departments who's screw tape here, basically giving a a speech in front of all the other demons saying, "Oh, there's." Thank you for this toast, and thank you for this blend of pharisaical wine, this kind of thing. Like a blending of negative human emotion that they get it get drunk off of sort of thing. Um, but yeah. Oh, it, interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting at the end there. But, so it's like him to all the colleagues, like, here was our quarter four performance on something like, Bidden Souls or something. Something like that. But it, it's yeah. like a... A great dinner that they're having, a great feast, and they're all come together. And he's making a toast before everyone takes a drink of whatever it is. But it's a it's interesting at the end. Hmm. It's a very imaginative book. I I still fully haven't made up my mind on spirits and stuff. It's just an interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a very solid take on it. I'll I'll say that it's very consistent. Yeah, and. Like I mentioned, Lewis, I think, does a good job at grounding it and putting it in physical terms that can be understandable for the human being. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's that's all for me. Yeah, that's all for me as well. See you, man.